Let's open with prayer, and then we will uh, dive in today. Let's go to God. God, we um, are here to meet with you, God. We're here to hear from you as we've been exploring your wisdom through the book of Proverbs. God, we've said that you are the creator, sustainer of all things. You hold all things together. You order the universe exactly as you please, and you have given us wisdom in the scriptures on how to live. God, and if you are the maker of all things, and you tell us graciously how to live in scripture, God, help us to be obedient to that. Thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to say uh, briefly, just on, and I don't usually do that, but just on what, what Donnie said um, earlier, uh, I'm going to quote a good uh, friend of mine who's a pastor. He quotes uh, scripture on Facebook. He says, talking about America, he, you cannot sow the wind and not reap the whirlwind. We've sown so much evil for decades, and now we're weeping it, or reaping it in every level of society. Um, will you pray throughout this week uh, the turn the heart of the nation back to God? Because that, that's what we need. More than anything else is for the hearts of the people to be turned back to God. So please, please pray for that this week and the weeks to come. We're going to be diving in uh, week three into a sermon series that we titled, I titled The Path, The Study of Proverbs. And this week we're going to be looking at this, um, Your Heart Matters. Now just as a reminder, we started this week, uh, this series two weeks ago, and we said that there is this unbreakable principle in the universe that if you try to break it, it'll actually break you. And what I said is your direction in life determines your destination. Your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination. And this principle trumps just about everything else in the universe besides God. Last week we said that prudent people make direction changes. They switch paths when they see trouble coming on the horizon. They make a course correction, even though that requires energy and sacrifice and determination. And we looked at the scripture, the prudent see danger and take refuge while the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now at the church I was previously at, there was a farmer and cattle rancher there. And he was on our leadership team as well. And we would often meet together as a leadership team. And he was always talking about how stubborn and thick-headed cattle can be. Now I don't know if any of you work, anyone here work with cattle at all? Yeah, Galen, yeah, you got, yeah, right? So you guys know what I'm talking about. And he would bring this up all the time. He'd been working with cattle for probably around 30 years, beef cattle. He's experienced it year after year after year, how stubborn they are. And he'd say, they're like the most stubborn animal of the planet. And I'd kind of listen and go, oh, yeah, 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 I'm sure they're stubborn, you know. And then he would say, as people, he'd say, you know, we're, we're kind of just like cattle. Which is maybe why God compares us to sheep so often in Scripture. And and this godly man would say that that God often wants to direct our paths through his word and through wise wise counsel. And we just dig in our heels and and we don't listen a lot of times. We go the other direction the wrong way. Maybe you've done that like me. Well, anyways, one day he invited me out to his ranch and farm to help him load some cattle onto a trailer. And I think he did it really just to show me what he was talking about. 
I'm pretty sure. I, didn't, well, I wasn't that much help. So I bent out to his property for, I put on some work clothes, I go out there, and we spent the next couple hours just loading these, a few female cattle onto this trailer, and I don't remember if it was a vet, something was going on that he was taking them somewhere, but it was for their own good. And he was right. <laughs> we had this one female cow, she wasn't going to get on the trailer, there's no way. I remember I had my shoulder dug into her, trying to push her and try to direct her, and she was just not gonna have it. Finally, I mean, I, I was out there for two hours. We finally got her loaded up. In that way, they're not unlike many of us. Sometimes we are like that cow with God. God is trying to direct our path. He's trying to get us going in the right direction, and we just dig in our heels. I do it. I admit it. Maybe you're a bit like me. We can be two-legged cattle. We're just a little bit more subtle about our rebellion. Here's what we do sometimes. We come to one of those forks in the road, the forks in the path, and we weigh our options, and then we choose the road that feels the best in the moment. The path that's probably not the best for us, but it feels the best. And so then we choose it, and then we know it's the wrong path, and then we figure out a way to justify it in our minds. Right? I had a friend named Josh. He was always never satisfied with what he had. He was always getting rid of cars, getting rid of trucks, buying new cars, buying new trucks. And I remember one day I was talking to him. He had this older truck, low miles, ran great, but he wanted to get rid of that gas guzzler to save money. So he bought a fuel-efficient car and took out a $35,000 loan. And I'm like, Josh, I don't care if that gets 900 miles to the gallon. You're never going to make back up that $35,000 that you're paying on it. But he did it anyways. Something I did a few years back, I needed a new cell phone. My iPhone, the battery wasn't lasting long enough, and so did I go and get a new battery for $60? No, I had to trade in for the new model, right, and pay a few hundred dollars. Didn't make any sense, but I did it. More and more these days, I hear from people, and they ask me, say, Pastor, how did I end up in this path? How did I get where I am? How did I get in this situation in the first place? I based this series on a book uh, by Andy Stanley, and the author, he says this. He says, our problem rarely stems from a lack of information or insight. It's something else, something we don't outgrow, something that another academic degree won't resolve. Our problem stems from the fact that we are not on a truth quest. That is, we don't wake up every morning with a burning desire to know what's true, what's right, what's honorable. We are on a happiness quest. We want to be, as in feel, happy. And our quest for happiness often trumps our appreciation for and pursuit of what's true. What he's saying is this. Why do we find ourselves on the wrong path? Number one, our heart is on a happiness quest. We want to be happy now in the moment. And number two, our heart chooses the happy now path rather than the happy later path. We choose that instant gratification instead of long-term happiness because it feels good in the moment. And maybe that's true for some of you. He goes on, and this is a little bit of a long quote, but stick with me because it's really good. He says this. He says, now I understand why you may take exception to that, but stay with me here for just a couple more pages while I make my case. 
Let's start with coffee drinkers. What's that all about? My coffee of choice costs about four bucks a cup. This was written 15 years ago, so now it's about eight bucks a cup probably. That's ridiculous, inexcusable in the light of the needs of the world today. That's $80 a month if I skip weekends. I could sponsor two more kids through Compassion International for less than that. What's wrong with me? Well, I'm on a happiness quest, and soy lattes contribute to my happiness. In fact, as I learned a few years ago when I quit drinking coffee for a few months, my soy lattes contribute to the happiness of my staff as well. I actually had a key staff member call me aside and tell me in no uncertain terms that it was more fun to be around when I was drinking coffee. That's all the excuse I needed. He continues, he says, as smart as we are and as aware as we are that life is connected and that decisions today shape the experience of tomorrow, we still don't wake up in the morning in search of truth, insight, and enlightenment. We get up and do the things that make us happy. We are all in a happiness quest, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Fortunately, there's a great deal of overlap between doing what's right and wise and doing what makes us happy. For example, my wife loves to exercise, and that makes me happy. But that's not really the point, is it? Exercise is something that's good for my wife's current health and future. It's something she enjoys. So in that case, pursuing something that makes her happy is a good thing. But she would be quick to tell you that chocolate makes her happy as well, happier than exercise. Pursuing that happy path every day would not be a good thing. It's these forks in the road, for our purpose, forks in the path that make things complicated. When happiness points in one direction, well, wisdom, truth, integrity, and common sense point in another one. That's when really smart people start doing really stupid things. That's when the happiness quest becomes dangerous. That is the underlying reason we intentionally choose paths that will not take us to where we ultimately want to go, regardless of our SAT score. Are you getting what he's saying there? And I know that was long. Thank you for sticking with me. Are you picking up what he's saying? Solomon diagnosed this problem 3,000 years ago. Apparently, people back then weren't too much different from people today. Let's open our Bible to Proverbs 3. I'm going to have it up on the screen as well. And there's Solomon. He's going to give a solution to the happiness quest that may not be the best for us. Here's what he says. Now, as I read this, this is one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. You've probably heard it before. Some of you maybe even have it memorized, but you may not have seen its relationship to the path. It says this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. According to Solomon, God will make your path straight if you do three things. One, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Two, you lean not on your own understanding. And three, you acknowledge him in all of your ways. Some of you have never heard this before. And that's okay. We're glad you are here. Let me walk you through it. Some of you have almost heard this so many times, you kind of start to forget what the text is actually driving at. 
The starting place for a straight path is on all American money, which made me laugh because it got quoted today in worship. The starting place is in God we trust. This is somewhat ironic because in my experience, money is often one of the last things we as Americans tend to trust God with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Scripture says. In every arena of your life, in every possible path, in every category, trust God. The answer to choosing the right path is to choose God, to trust God, to go where he asks you to go, and sometimes that's not always easy, to do what he asks you to do and to do it every day. This is not a one-time thing. It is a path. Place all of your confidence, all your hope, all your plans in God. The challenge is not to lean on what your heart says is right, not on what your heart wants to do, not on your own understanding of what you want to do, but to lean into God's word, which is the only source of absolute and pure truth. How many times have you heard someone say this, just go with your heart? Have you heard that? Just do what your heart's telling you. Maybe you've said that too, right? We've all heard that. But here's what Jeremiah says. The heart is deceitful above all things. Do you know what he meant by that? He means that our hearts, they lie to us. Almost every time we want to do something that feels good in the short term, in the moment, but we know intuitively is not good for us for the long term, our hearts are coming up with lies and reasons to do the thing we want to do, rather than the thing that's best for us in the long term. Say to the person next to you, your heart lies to you. Go ahead. I know you guys are like, please don't ever make me do that again, right? I'm sorry. Say, say to yourself, my heart lies to me. Andrew, please don't ever make me talk to my neighbor in church again. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. We're going to be okay. The heart is deceitful above all things. So Solomon says, when you find yourself at a fork in the road, and by the way, every decision you make is a fork in the road. When you find yourself at that fork, don't trust your heart. Trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, lean on God. Don't acknowledge your motivations, your intentions, your ambition. Acknowledge God's. If you do this, he'll make your path straight. Jesus said something similar in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Acknowledge God in his ways and he will make your path straight. He'll direct you where you should go. He'll protect you from the evil and junk and crowd in this world. Life is not always easy. It's a challenge. I'm not saying you're going to be on easy street, but he will guide you. I'm going to make you read one more thing out loud again. I'm sorry. Can you read this out loud to me? I want you to store this in your mind. What does it say? Tuck that away in your brain, in your heart. There, has there ever been a time in your life when you acknowledge God in all of your ways? Many, many of you have trusted God for salvation. But that's like inviting God into your living room and then saying, eh, 
that's far enough. Here, Lord, come into my life, but no farther. Have you trusted him in your bedroom where all your private thoughts are? Have you invited him into your computer where you have access to all of the world? Have you invited him into your kitchen where he sees what and how much you eat? Have you invited him into your closet where all of your secret thoughts are? Seek first the kingdom of God and he will take care of the rest. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he'll steer your ship in the right direction, your car onto the right path, your life into the right places and plans and priorities. This is the path we must be on, friends. Now at our last church, we had some dear friends, Ben and Amanda Luther. And they lived in kind of the middle of nowhere. And the first time I went there, um, I got directions from Amanda, Ben's life. And so she gave me directions of how to get to their house. Now, here's the question. Did I write those directions down? No. I said, ah, oh, I'll throw that in my Google Map app on my phone. It'll be no big deal. So, yeah, you know, Amanda, I'm writing these down. I wasn't writing them down. God forgive me. And so I go there. And I'm driving. And it's in the middle of nowhere, and there's kind of some hills and trees. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, I don't have cell phone service. And I drove around on dirt roads with names like 390th Avenue and 470th Street for what seemed like forever. It's probably 20 minutes until I finally got there. But I thought I knew what was best. I thought, you know, I didn't need to listen to her. But if I had just listened to her directions, her wise advice, everything would have worked out. Wouldn't it be nice if getting on and staying on the path that God wants us to be on was that simple? Well, in some ways, it, it almost is. The, here's the trick to override the happiness now bias in your brain, which really comes from our deceitful, sinful hearts. Override it with the perfect wisdom God has given us through his word and his spirit. This week, I want you to get together with someone from church. If you can't do it, you can do it by yourself, but it'll be better if you can do it with someone from church. And I want you guys to be completely honest with each other. Do it on the phone. You can do a phone call, get coffee, but ask yourself this question. Have your, have your friend ask you, you ask them, if you could strip away the self-deceiving reasons for your actions and be completely honest right now, what path are you on that you know you shouldn't be? But you choose to be on it because you wanted something other than to acknowledge God's ways. Get together with someone. Ask that question. On one level, this is the one question we never want to be asked by others. Because it reveals so much about us. On another level, it's the question we've always wanted to be asked because this is the area we need the most help in. This is the question that breaks us out of isolation and pseudo-community with others and allows us to walk with others in our lives. Maybe you can have this conversation with someone in the next week or two. And of course you can lie, you can lie to yourself, but I think it's such a good question because what it's really saying, it's drilling down to this, where is it that you haven't been trusting God with all your heart? Where is it? That you haven't been trusting God with all your heart. Where is it that at least before now you hadn't acknowledged God in all of your ways? And then the question, the follow-up question is this. Is there a way we can help you with that? If you need help in an area, please talk to me. Solomon continues his thought about getting on God's path. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Then he says this. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. 
He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you know everything. After telling us the key to the straight path, the path that you want to take, the path that will always get you to where you want to be, Solomon suggests three action steps for us to take in order to trust God fully and acknowledge him in everything. He says this first. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think I have it all together. Don't think I don't need to consult God on this one. After all, I'm an expert. I taught a class on it. I've been to a class in Sunday school. I've got it all figured out. Don't think I've done this a thousand times before. Every decision, every fork in the road is a new fork, friends. Wherever you are today, you've never been there before. You're somewhere new. So resist the urge, the temptation to think you know it all. You don't. That's where we get ourselves into trouble. Consult God in your decisions, in all your ways, with all your forks in the road. When you maybe have a small decision, it can be a simple prayer. If you have a big decision to make, don't make it on your own. Go to God, read his word, get wise counsel from a wise Christian friend. Do not do it in isolation. That is when we get ourselves into trouble. Number two, honor God's provision for you. Solomon goes on and says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. If you want to stay on the path, Solomon says, honor God with your wealth. After all, it all came from him. If you want him to direct your path, first let him direct your wallet or purse. For most of us, our wallets or purse are somehow connected to our hearts, aren't they? God says, if you want my input, trust me with your output. I gave it all to you anyways. Just trust me. And you know this is true because you can't give without loving. Or you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I often watch people in their 20s, right? They graduate from college and they go from thinking they're really poor to really rich. And here's how this works. They say to themselves, there's a concert coming that I really want to go to, but it's $500 a ticket. I got to go see Beyonce or Taylor Swift. I may feel poor, but then they find the money to make it happen, and they go. But then a few years later, what happens? They get married, they have a child, and the baby needs diapers, and you need formula, which apparently you can't find anymore, and blankets and shoes, and more things than this newly minted mom and dad have ever dreamed of. Then Beyonce and Taylor Swift come to town, and they say, we're going to go to the concert. Are you kidding me? Of course I can't go to the concert. I have a kid to provide for. See, suddenly their love for a person has changed all their priorities. They love that baby boy or girl so much they don't even think of it as giving. Now it's just providing for. You can love or you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. There's something mysterious that happens when you give. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Which seems kind of backwards. If you love, you'll give. But God knows that if you give, you'll love. So he says, if you want my direction in your life, if you want me to guide you, honor me with the first fruits of all your crops. When this was written 3,000 years ago, everyone was a farmer. The first fruits of their crops was the first fruits of their wages. The first fruits of everything they earned from God. He says, then I will be, fill your barns to overflowing. Now, something my, church, my parents' church does, my mom is here, um, so it's funny that I have this in there, that I thought was so interesting. I remember going there, and they would actually say, we'll give you a money-back guarantee. If you tithe, if you take the biblical principle of tithing, and you just try it for three months, 
see what happens. Now, you're not always blessed financially, they would say. Sometimes God will bless you when you are obedient to him. They would say, take the challenge. And if after three months you want your money back, we'll give it back to you. And I don't, they never had anyone ask for their money back for a refund. Solomon says if you're going to acknowledge God in all of your ways, one of them is your financial ways. The third action step to trust God fully and acknowledge him in everything is this. Don't blame God for your pain. Solomon continues in verse 11 and 12. He says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, I need to make something very clear. We've been talking a lot about people having cancer. That's not God's discipline. We're affected by sin. We get sick and diseases because we live in a sinful and broken world. Sometimes people sin against us. And we experience troubles and heartaches. But sometimes you caused what's happening to you. And sometimes God knows you need correction, which he provides like a loving father. A loving father corrects his children. I've heard many people say, why did God let this happen to me? And usually they're in too much pain to hear the truth at that moment. But the truth is, in most cases, God didn't let it happen to them. God didn't want it to happen to them. They made foolish choices, and God tried to prevent them. He put wisdom in Scripture for them to read and understand. He put wise counsel in their life. They ignored, and they did it anyways. Yet, God even uses these mistakes when we don't obey. He lovingly corrects us as a loving father would correct a child. I knew a young man in the church I grew up in. He got baptized when he was in late elementary school, followed Jesus. And then in high school, he started to drift. And by late high school, he was really drifting. And in his early 20s, he was living with his girlfriend and and using drugs. And his life had completely spiraled out of control. He got into all sorts of things he shouldn't have. And then he was doing illegal activities to pray or pay for his drug habit. And God still loved him through all of that, even though he was running from him. Well, eventually God disciplined him. And he let the consequences of all of his actions fall upon him. He got disciplined by God when he had to bear the weight of the consequences of his sin. And at first he was so angry. You brought up God. You brought up church. He wouldn't even just leave. He wouldn't even have a conversation with you. But eventually as he got straight and clean and turned his life around, he saw it was God's loving discipline that got him back on the right path, got him going in the right direction because God loved him. The Lord disciplines those he loves like a father does with the son he delights in. Our action steps are these. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Honor God's provision for you. Don't blame God for your pain. Those are Solomon's suggestions to stay on the right path, the path that God wants you to be on. I want to just recommend that you come back next week as we continue to dig deeper into the series and the path. Invite a friend, invite a neighbor, invite a family member. Number two, I got to ask you, As my challenge week one, my challenge week two, my challenge today, how is reading a chapter from the book of Proverbs every day going? Some of you are like, it's going good. Some of you are like, I don't want to talk about it. Don't look at me. Don't make eye contact. (laughs) Well, here is the good news. Today's a new day. You can get started. You can get caught up if you've been struggling. You have time. You can read a couple chapters this week and get caught up. You're forgiven. God's not angry with you. 
If you've been doing a good job, I'm thankful for that. Praise God for that. I believe that God is going to speak to you his wisdom through reading through the book of Proverbs one chapter a day. I believe that with all of my heart. So please try to do that. If you need an accountability partner, get an accountability partner, but keep on that path. Keep reading scripture every day. It's so important. Something third I want to bring up as we close. Uh, Sunday school is done. Think about this summer starting a small group where you can get with a group of friends, you can go deeper into God's word or a Christian book and continue to build those godly relationships that help speak wisdom into your life to stay on the right path. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, you give us wisdom clearly in your word. God, you give us wisdom in the book of Proverbs. God, you want us to walk in your ways. As I said last week, God, we are not Gnostic. God, you care about the body. You care about our lives. God, you care about our relationships. You care about our vocation. You care about our schooling. You care about our health. God, you care about all of that, all of us. Every part of us matters to you. God, and you give us wisdom and scripture of how to live in a way, God, where we honor those things. God, help us to walk in your paths. Give us the wisdom to do that, to stay clear of the wrong ones and to make course corrections when we need to. We thank you for loving us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.